The Pac-12 and the Big 12 had been in ongoing discussions about a potential merger. Emphasis on had been because those have since stopped. Who does that help? Who does that hurt? And what happens next? Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. I appreciate all of you out there who have done, <clears throat> excuse me, who have done so already. And I am uh, back a little bit. I was away for a little while on the road, but now I'm back in uh, my current place of residence, which is Cedar City, Utah. So hopefully we'll be uh, churning out more regular content here over the coming weeks. And one guy who I enjoy doing that with is joining me today. Carter Baines is his name, senior editor and writer at beaverblitz.com. We'll get to uh, Oregon State and the recruiting success they've had a little bit later to end the show, but we're talking all conference realignment here to start. Carter, welcome back, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Been a busy couple of days for me covering the MLB draft. Obviously, you know, Oregon State being the baseball powerhouse that it has been for so long. Um, it's always a busy couple of days. So yeah, guys are guys are flying off the board left and right right now. Yeah, three guys in the top 75. No surprise for uh, probably the, the premier baseball program in the conference over the last uh, 11 years or so. But we're talking football today. And the most recent piece of news is uh, simultaneously news and not news because the Big 12 has informed the Pac-12 after they had been engaged in ongoing discussions about a potential merger and the two coming together to form somewhat of a super conference. The Big 12 told the Pac-12 that they no longer wanted to continue those conversations, so they have cut off. At least for now, everything seems to be changing really quickly, so maybe they'll get back to the table one day, but I thought it was noteworthy, Carter, and I want your thoughts here as well, that it was uh, framed in the piece that I read of the Big 12 saying to the Pac-12, we're no longer going to continue. Yeah, I think that's the key point here. It's not, you know, the Pac-12 that's not interested. Um, I think, you know, we're going to touch on how this impacts all of the teams in the Pac-12. But my first thought when I saw this was, this is this is great news for Oregon State. Obviously, you know, the team that I cover that I'm most familiar with, you know, the one that I've been following throughout all of this conference realignment stuff. Um, I think it's big news for for the teams that weren't necessarily going to get picked up by the Big 12 in a potential merger because, you know, we talk about a merger and, you know, alliance and whatnot between these two conferences, but it was never going to include the Oregon States, the Washington States, you know, Cal's, even potentially Stanford. Um, it was more about, you know, the the four corner schools down there and then Oregon and Washington. So I think those schools are probably, um, I, I don't know, maybe a bit disappointed by the news, but uh, but the others who would have been left behind, um, you know, should these conferences merge, I, I think it's a big win for them. Yeah, I, I agree, at least for now, right? Because you don't know what the Pac-12's next move will be, which we'll also get to in uh in a little bit, but I want to move to, uh, you know, something that uh, before we get to the the specific teams that it's impacted, I, I think the other noteworthy thing, not just the the outcome 
that those those teams and, and programs you mentioned there that are, are kind of benefiting from you know the the Pac-12 staying in place at least for the time being. I, I think it's noteworthy that the conference is not wanting to you know take the big players and run. Right. It, it seems to me, based on the reports that that have come out and that I have read, that the Pac-12 wanted to bring everybody, and the Big 12 is kind of saying. No, we're interested in these programs. We're not interested in those over there. So if you are a school, and you and I theorize it's the same uh, group of programs, uh, principally Oregon State, Washington State, and and Cal, uh, I think as well. Stanford's a little bit different, but maybe in that category, though they're a little down, so maybe they're not quite as uh, appealing as a football program right now. But I think you have to feel good if you're a fan of one of those schools that the, the Pac-12 right now seems to have your back and they, they might have had an opportunity to say we're going to break off with just these schools because that's what the Big 12 was asking for. But George Klyovkov and company put their foot down and said, no, you're either taking all of us or you're taking none of us. Yeah, you know, one of the the theories that that we've kind of throw around, thrown around at Beaver Blitz and um, that I was kind of excited to see if it would come to fruition is a full Big 12 and Pac-12 merger Um with the Pac-12 adding a couple of schools to its footprint in doing so, you get a full 24-team conference um, with you know those two those two leagues coming together. I thought that would have been really fun because then you could you could keep your regionality with you know geographic uh, regions and and divisions you know within the conference, um, and then a fun like conference championship game matchup in Vegas or something. You know, I thought the the opportunities there for the back for the big 12 and the pac 12 to, um, you know, maintain their entire footprint as they are now. Um, but also kind of propel themselves into this new era where, you know, you're looking at super conferences of 18 to 20 teams. Um, I thought continuity wise for those two conferences, um, that would be a, you know, a, a solid move, but it looks like, you know, the, the big 12 was never, that interested in taking on the entire Pac-12, um, and certainly now, you know, obviously it's it's pulling out of that altogether. And I think the reason that the Big 12 was was not wanting to take on everybody is when you add a team to your conference, you can get some added value there from the the market and uh, you know overall attraction level of a, a program and how much viewership they can get. You can add fans and viewers and numbers and money to your conference as well but every time you add a team you also have to remember that you're then getting a smaller portion of uh, of the pie right and in theory you want to be adding to it if you're going to add a school or or a set of schools to your conference then you want to be in a position from a conference perspective the big 12 or the pac-12 where you're adding schools that are you know going to take away some of the money but are going to bring in more than they take away and i think that that calculation just wasn't quite there for, for the Big 12 when looking at everybody that, that they'd have to add. Let's shift it over to the, the Pac-12 schools who, you know, are, are probably happy about this. Whether they say so publicly is probably, uh, that's probably something that you're not not going to see. But, you know, we as, as fans and commentators can opine on such a thing. I think Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, definitely pretty happy about that. I think with the Arizona schools, I feel like whether they were in the Big 12 or the Pac-12, they feel like they're kind of the same, capable of being good, but not really top tier, or at least they haven't uh, ha- haven't shown that in you know a, a several decades. So I don't think that it changes the calculation or how fans would feel about those schools a lot for them. But 
uh, I think your Oregon's, Washington's, and Utah's of the world were probably hoping that something would work out here. And now for the time being, they, they're left out of the realignment and are, are forced to stay in the Pac-12 at least for now. And to me, for, for those schools, it feels like it, it's at least a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I think the best case scenario for Oregon State, Washington State, and, and even Cal throughout this whole process has been either keeping the Pac-10, Pac-12 intact as is, or kind of riding on the coattails of some of their, um, you know, their their sister institutions, you know, Oregon State kind of riding on the coattails of Oregon and saying, hey, we're a package deal, you know, if you want Oregon, you have to take us, that kind of thing. So, you know, I think for those schools, keeping the entire Pac-12 footprint intact, um, obviously, it, it maintains continuity. They don't have to worry about being left behind and, and trying to latch on in the Mountain West, um, you know, or... Or, or or something as catastrophic as as that nature. So those schools for sure. But to your point, you know the the, uh, the flag bearers, so to speak, now in the Pac-12, Oregon, Washington, Utah, and and even potentially the Arizona schools. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure that they're looking for for opportunities to to jump ship and and to maximize their value. But I don't know. I I think in the short term, you know, you don't lose anything by keeping the the 10 and and potentially 12 if you add two more schools intact. I, I think it gives you time to evaluate your next move uh, without falling behind. One thing you don't have to evaluate is whether or not you should go after Built Bar's latest product, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. It's coconut, it's chocolate, and then you mix in the marshmallow as well. They've given it the full puffs treatment. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. As always, it's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen. They're good for you. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. You can get yours right now if you go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Do you think it's likely that now that the the conversations between the conferences have have stopped and the Big 12 told the Pac-12, no, we're, we're not going to do a, a full merger here, which I understand. Do you think it's it's likely or possible that the Big 12 would keep trying to to continue to talk to those six schools who initially got tied to the Big 12, which was the Arizona schools, Colorado, Utah, and then Oregon and Washington. That was the initial report. Then these talks came in afterwards. And I read something on uh, on a team's SI site earlier today as we record this on uh, early Tuesday afternoon that that was still a, a possibility, but it doesn't seem to be a super hot topic of conversation right now. I see that as something that that could still happen, but with these talks having fizzled out at the conference level, it seems a little bit less likely, but again, not impossible because you would have those six schools on their own volition going out and saying, okay, we're going to break off from the conference and go to the big 12, much like USC and UCLA did. I think it's still possible, but just slightly less likely and we haven't seen any reports about whether or not those talks are going to continue. What do you think? I think, that, I mean, the conversations are, are probably still likely to continue. Just looking at the way 
USC and USPAC 12 kind of blindsiding everybody. Um, you know, I think kind of those backdoor conversations are going to continue between schools. You know, I'm sure Oregon and Washington are still, you know, trying to find opportunities to get into the Big Ten or, I mean, in a crazy world, the SEC, you know, anybody who's bigger than the Pac-12 who will have them. Um, I, I'm sure those schools are going to continue to seek their opportunities. Now, if you listen to athletic directors like Oregon State's Scott Barnes, you would think that the Pac-10, you know, Pac-12 is is here to stay for the long term. Obviously, it's in his best interest to say, you know, the 10 of us are committed to sticking together. All of our conversations have led us to believe that, you know, we're we're a, a group and, and nobody's looking to move on. I don't know how much I, I buy it. I, I just think that, you know, if you're Utah, I, I think, you know, trying to to knock on the SEC's door or the Big 12's door, um, I, I just think that the, the opportunities there are, are so grand that, well, you might be sitting in a room with your other Pac-10 athletic directors and saying, no, I'm, you know, we're, we're firm as, as a group. Um, I think every school right now is probably kind of fending for themselves and, and looking out for their best interests. So I would assume that those conversations between individual schools and conferences will continue, even if the conferences themselves aren't necessarily, um, you know, holding, holding these talks. I wonder how many back channel conversations there are between athletic directors at this point in time, because you know, you raise the point of Oregon State, Oregon State's AD says one thing, but, you know, is that really taking place there? But if a school like Utah, who just won the Pac-12 for the first time, and, you know, their stock as a football program has never been higher than it is right now, if they wanted to explore something else, you can't typically go at it alone unless you're Notre Dame, right? If you're going to another conference, you have to have somebody to go with you. That's why USC is bringing UCLA with them because USC was kind of the primary driver, but they weren't going to go by themselves because conferences don't want to have an odd number because that makes things challenging. And then you want to have a travel partner in there as well. Colorado seems like the logical option for, for Utah. They get tied together. They came into the PAC 12 together. Of course, Colorado, a former member of the big 12. If Utah were to venture out and be you know, aggressive on an individual level to try to go to the Big 12 or the SEC or, or the Big 10. Is Colorado the only team you think they, they could take with it? Like, is that just such a logical partnership in their history of coming in together? Is that enough for them to look and say, yeah, we're going to do this? Or do you think Utah would pick up the phone maybe? And um, and I mean, I, I understand that I'm kind of going out on a limb here and spitballing, but I, I'm not surprised by anything at this point. <laughs> like I, I'm willing to say like, yeah, any, anything is possible here. Would you imagine that Utah would, you know, consider picking up the phone and uh, calling Washington or Oregon or one of the Arizona schools and saying, Hey, do you want to go with us? Because we, we've seen teams across the country, right? If you know, say they wanted to call Arizona state, that's got a, a decent sized brand, decent sized market and whatnot. And they wanted to leave. Some people might say, well, why would Arizona state leave Arizona? Well, Florida and Florida state are not in the same conference. Iowa and Iowa state are not at the same conference. There's precedent for that. Texas school schools in the state of Texas are all over the place. So I, I think that it's not impossible, but if Utah just, just, just in a vacuum there were to want to go to a different conference. Do you think Colorado is their only phone call or do you think they would try to look elsewhere first? 
Well, I mean, you'd like to think that, you know, the Arizona schools are going to stick together. The Oregon schools stick together. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, the way college football is moving, that regionality and those traditions are kind of an afterthought right now. So I would assume that Utah, you know, a, an athletic department, a football program that I, I think outdoes Colorado in, in a lot of ways, I, I think they would probably try to, I mean, not necessarily punch above their own weight, but, you know, look for a, a program who is, um, you know, a little more nationally relevant than a Colorado. So to your point, Oregon or Washington, I, I think they would be reaching out to those schools before Colorado. Um, one of the Arizonas. I mean, even if they could package, you know, Colorado with the Arizona schools and, and you know, go four teams there. Um, I just don't know that that Colorado brings enough to the table for a potential suitor conference. Um, you know, I, I think obviously Utah is very attractive to those conferences, but I don't know yeah. if they would say, hey, yeah, bring Colorado with you. I think they might try to, um, you know, they might suggest bringing somebody else with them if if they could they make that happen. Because, I mean, Colorado, like, let's be honest, yeah, historically, football, they, they have some success there. But outside of that, I mean, we don't really think of Colorado as, you know, this athletically inclined university. They also haven't been great in football for a long time. They they were yeah. in in the I think the nineties is when they were really kinda hitting their peak early nineties or so, but if you're talking about national relevance in college football, Colorado is not there. They they have not been there for a while. They've got like two winning seasons in the past twelve or, or thirteen tries. I mean, since they joined the Pac twelve, I think they've been above five hundred twice. And that's what people are going to associate more with your your brand and with your football program unfortunately for for the buffs and their fans out there that's what's going to get associated with with your school more than the past success because you have a lot of young college football plans and or fans and then players themselves are very very young so they don't have that built-in institutional knowledge of oh yeah colorado is capable of you know winning at, at a high level they've you know in their past been to new year six bowls before they were i think they had a share of a national championship in uh at the early 90s like they have been there before but they haven't been there in so long that it, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter unfortunately because it took a lot of work back then to do that but now it's just not something that that people are going to take into account yeah, and I'll even add on to that. I mean, think about Oregon State, for example. You know, Oregon State was a perennial top twenty-five team for you know the first decade of the of the two thousands. Yep. And you know, right now Oregon State's you know on the outside looking in, but you say, hey, we've got this track record of success. Well, it's what have you done recently? And mm-hmm. since the Pac twelve came into existence, you know, adding Utah and Colorado, look at the bottom dwellers. It's Colorado. It's Oregon State. Um, I mean, even UCLA, you know, for a long time was was one of the worst teams in the conference. Um, they landed on their feet because they're in a huge market and, you know, they could tie themselves with USC. Um, but yeah, no, I think Colorado is very much in the same situation as Washington State and Oregon State. The one thing it has going for it is it has a natural geographic partner in Utah who happens to be, you know, one of the most attractive options in this conference right now. Speaking of geography, all this talk of, you know, our team's going to go to the Big Ten. No, that 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 didn't come to fruition at this point in time. And is the Pac-12 going to merge with the Big 12? And the Big 12 said, no, we're not going to take everybody. Maybe we'll look at these other teams, but for now, that's on, uh, on, on the 
downswing momentum wise is it just starting to feel or is it too soon to tell that the Pac-12 maybe we should call it the Pac-10 though you figure they would look to add team they would have to add teams you can't just go back down to 10 even if you're adding a couple Mountain West schools which are probably your only option that's better than I think going back to the Pac-10 but you know, at this point in time, we might as well call it the Pac-10. Might have to put a different logo up there at the top of the graphic on YouTube and call it Locked On Pac-10 again. But though it is the Pac-12 for for two more years, which is an important thing to remember that this doesn't happen for a couple of years. However, does it feel right now like there's a greater chance the Pac-10 or Pac-12 survives and stays around as a conference, whether or not it's a nationally viable or super competitive conference is a different conversation, but when this all first came out, the, the questions we were asking, I think fairly were, is the Pac-12 even going to survive? Like, is it going to be around in a couple of years or is everyone just about to jump ship? But Big Ten didn't work out. Big 12 hasn't worked out right now. Unless something happens with the ACC, it kind of feels more likely than not that the, the Pac-12, Pac-10 would, would stick around and, and at least exist going forward, yeah? Yeah, I mean, think about it, like, We've heard the Big Ten isn't looking to add more teams and that it turned Oregon and Washington away. We've now heard that the Big 12 isn't interested in merging with the Pac-12. And so all of these conversations that we've heard that have come to a result have been no, you know, no more movement is coming. So I think right now, if you're the Pac-12, you know, you're fine with the status quo um, because it keeps you afloat and gives you time, you know, as you mentioned, two years to find schools to bring in. Um, if you're the individual schools, I, I think, like I said earlier, you're continuing to seek options, but the 12 and eventually Pac-10, if they don't add schools as it stands, I, I think, you know, for the next two years, for sure it's intact. But I think beyond that, you know, we're trending towards the Pac-12 bringing in two to four schools and just trying to go about it, you know, as, as a conference, as it is, um, I don't know. There's so much there's so much time between now and 2024 that something could come up and you see other schools leave. Um, but everything, everything, thing, everything that has occurred since the L.A. schools announced their departure um, has been, you know, just maintaining the status quo, essentially. There is a lot of time. I think what makes it complicated and I, I agree, it doesn't have to happen like in the next two weeks. There's not that sort of a deadline on it. But you also can't wait until the summer of 2024 to make a move because schools and programs need time to adapt to this. stuff. Like there's a reason, I'm sure, and media rights deals are definitely a part of it and contracts that have been signed and commitments to games. And I, like, I, I get all that. But there's also an element of when a school decides, okay, we're going to change conferences. It's it's football, you know, as the primary factor there. But all the other sports have to prepare for that as well. And there's a lot that goes into at the administrative and logistical level for getting that that situated. And so it does feel like the Pac-12. I don't know if I can put an exact date on it, but it kind of seems like by the end of this football season they'd probably have to have a next move or a plan in place, right? I mean, because after this year, you'd be looking, because USC and UCLA, 
are two years away. And even OU and Texas announced last year they're going to the SEC. That's not until 2025. USC and UCLA, I think, is a lot uh, quicker. It's a lot more of sort of a, a pressure cooker situation than OU and Texas, which have four years to make that shift and make the jump. But those schools just have two. And so that means I feel like two, I mean, you need at least one. Right, you need at least a full year. So the absolute latest the Pac-12 could announce new moves to you know remain relevant and competitive and say like this is our next step to to stay as a viable West Coast-based conference would be probably around this time next, probably a little bit before. So you've got less than a year. I think you've got until just after the college football season before before moves got to be made. Yeah, I I, w- I would say this time next year is a pretty solid, you know, quote unquote deadline. Um, I do think that if the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-whatever is to remain a conference, um, you know, as as we know it, you will hear by next summer the addition of Fresno State, San Diego State, or maybe one of the Big 12 members. You know, it, it can poach a, a couple of Big 12 members. Um, but I, I think the Pac-12, you know, very much seems to be committed to regionality. Um, so I would imagine, you know, they're not going to go and look at ACC schools and say, hey, let's bring in Miami and Florida State. You know, they're going to look at a Mountain West school before they look at ACC schools, in, yep. in my opinion. So I think, you know, obviously this is a whole nother conversation, but attractive options there. The, the two California schools that I just mentioned, Fresno State and San Diego State market wise, uh, alumni base wise, um, you know, program, com- cal- program caliber, both, yeah. you know, Fresno state's had some down years, but they're also, we just saw what they're capable of doing. They very nearly beat Oregon at Otson. They beat UCLA mm-hmm. down at the Rose bowl, San Diego state beat Utah last year and has been kind of the premier program in the mountain West from a football standpoint for about the last decade or so. Fresno state's had some low points, but they've had some high points as well. Like both yeah. have been in the top 25, at, at several points over over the last couple of tries in terms of a, a full college football season, so I, I I agree that both of those could could definitely make sense. There's a lot of a lot of teams you could go with there. And if you look at what the Big Twelve did in the immediate aftermath of Texas and Oklahoma announcing that that they were leaving for the SEC, you know I think everybody thought the same thing. Everybody thought the Big Twelve was just going to fall apart and those schools were going to get poached by everyone else, um, and, and that would be the end of you know, that conference, as you know it, they go out and they add a couple of group of five schools that have been, you know, perennial contenders on the national stage for the last five to 10 years. Um, and, and nobody's talking about that conference being, you know, left behind in the dust or not competing at a high level anymore. So I, I think if the Pac-12 is able to follow that footprint um, and, you know, add a couple of the, the top schools in the Mountain West or, uh, you know, whoever, I, I don't see any reason why the Pac-12 can't be at least on the same footing as the Big 12. And right now, it appears that that is, you know, good enough. Um, Long term, I, I do think that the two super conference model or or what have, you know, what have you will be the way of the future. But for the foreseeable future right now, um, you know, I think if the Pac-12 can at least add a couple of schools, stay afloat and, you know, be comparable to the Big 12, that's going to be good enough for, for quite a while, I think. Lastly, with Carter Baines of BeaverBlitz.com, a couple notable recruits that Jonathan Smith and company got 
in the class of 2023 for verbal commitments. Three-star quarterback Aiden Childs, who's uh, got some great size at six foot four, good mobility as well, and I think more notably, four-star defensive lineman Kelsey Howard, just not the sort of guy typically that the Beavs were able to get up to Corvallis, but. They, they, they've been in on him from kind of from the get-go. And I talked with uh, John Garcia, our recruiting analyst here at the Locked On Network last week about him. But uh, just real quick, your thoughts on, on those two verbal commitments for the Beavs who, uh, you know, Childs maybe a, a year or two away from uh, being a play, obviously in the class of 2023. But he might not be a guy who comes on campus and plays right away. But one day you could certainly see it. But Howard seems like a guy who's going to step in and just start from the moment he puts on that uniform. Yeah, these are huge commitments. And one thing that we've seen this year, you know, over the last couple of months, really, um, with Jonathan Smith is a huge step forward in recruiting. And, you know, his his trajectory has been, you know, solidly, you know, on on the upward swing for the last five years since he came uh, to Corvallis. But this year in particular feels like a real tangible step forward. Um, and I think it's tied to a couple of things. I think it's tied to Oregon State making it back to a bowl game for the first time in eight years and completing Research Stadium. You know, having these tangible results um, and, you know, proving that you're actually building the program, I think that's attracting a lot higher level talent. And so to your point with with Childs and Howard, you know, it's a quarterback right now who's rated a high three star. But I think after this year, um, I, I would not be surprised to see him, you know, gain four star status. Me neither. Uh, be, you know, one of the one of the highest rated recruits at the quarterback position coming into the Pac-12. And what he's done in terms of, you know, helping the staff recruit, you know, he is he's as active on social media recruiting guys as I've ever seen. Um, you know, he's always in in potential commitments um, mentions and, you know, he's quote tweeting all sorts of stuff saying, hey, come to Corvallis. We're building something. You know, we want you here. Um, and, and that helped with Kelsey Howard, who I, I think is easily the biggest commitment of Jonathan Smith's tenure. And and really, as far as instant impact goes, I, I think one of the biggest in, in recent history. You know, this is a guy who's, um, you know, a, a four-star who had offers from Oregon, USC, all, all sorts of Pac-12 and, and other mm-hmm. Power 5 schools, um, and chooses Oregon State where he can come in and play right away at a position of need. And, you know, Oregon State hasn't recruited the defensive line very well in past years, but this is a guy who I think could be the best defensive lineman we've seen at Oregon state in, in probably a decade if he lives up to his potential. New defensive coordinator, Trent Bray, certainly hoping he will become that sort of player. You have to have, you know, an anchor at every unit and he certainly projects it as that sort of player. Carter Baines, senior editor and writer at beaverblitz.com. Appreciate the commentary as always. Thanks Spencer. Always a blast. I will see you all next time. I appreciate you for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.